Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's sad because home is supposed to be your safest place. And for me, home was my most dangerous place. And I I think I just stopped feeling all of my feelings. I stuffed everything down and I just step one foot in front of the other just to make it through the day. There would be so many times where I would be sleeping underneath my mattress, just hoping and being like one day, one day I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here. And I just had this undying will to live. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here 
in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, my beautiful friends, how has this week been for you? For me, I felt so honoured to have been able to share here, but also more on social media, Melissa's story from our episode last week. And I can feel the outpouring from people. They were angry that this could happen to a gorgeous, tiny little girl. People were shocked. This story contains so many parts to it, and so far they have been dark parts. There has been very little light to this story and I know that Melissa believed this dark and despicable abuse was all her fault. Even much later in life when recalling her story to a therapist, she was convinced still that she deserved the abuse. She was so defective and that's the power of the abuser. They change the way that our brains work. They tell us so many times how bad we are, how much we deserve to be punished, how much we're ruining everybody else's experience, how we are the black sheep, the odd one out, how we need to do better and be better, how ashamed we should feel. Just that terrible image of Melissa, hands tied behind her back in a dark room being made to eat from a bowl on the floor. If you are told every day, that this is what you deserve, then you will believe it. And that's a huge challenge for every survivor, understanding the truth, understanding that what happened never happened for any other reason than that you were trapped with an abuser. And that's something you must understand. It doesn't matter what happened. It was never your fault It doesn't matter what happened or the degree of the abuse. It will have changed the way your brain works. Don't be tempted to minimise what happened or say, oh, others had it worse. You know, I should just bury it and get on with my life. Yes, there are some extreme stories of abuse like Melissa's, but whatever happened deserves your time and energy to heal it. Part one last week was a gut-wrenching account of abandonment and abuse, all-consuming abuse, shame, humiliation that derailed what could have been a beautiful life. But after years, Melissa finally hit a wall and she had a complete breakdown and there she sat for a long time until she was able to slowly begin on the difficult road back to find out who she actually was. Because when you've been abandoned, abused and controlled your entire life, you lose all sense of self. The years of abuse had left Melissa truly believing that she was nothing but a burden to everyone, that everything that had happened was her fault. That belief even stopped Melissa from reaching out for help because she really believed that she deserved her punishments. Once Melissa was finally able to break free of that toxic family, the light slowly began to creep in. 
Now Melissa has done a huge amount of healing because she does want that beautiful life that was taken away from her. She does want that light-filled life. And all I can say, having sat with this incredible human, is Melissa deserves a beautiful life. If you are on Instagram, please go and follow Melissa. Reach out and say hi. She wants to hear from you. She wants to connect. You can find Melissa at Let Me Glow Your Mind and I'll put the link to her profile in the show notes so you can easily go and connect. Please join me now for part two of Melissa's story. And it's sad because home is supposed to be your safest place. And for me, home was my most dangerous place. And I I think I just stopped feeling all of my feelings. I stuffed everything down and I just step one foot in front of the other just to make it through the day. There would be so many times where I would be sleeping underneath my mattress, just hoping and being like one day, one day I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of here. And I just had this undying will to live. I have this stubbornness that I get probably from my grandparents, but I just, I couldn't give up. I I would recite over and over again, never let them win, never let them win. And I, I, I made sure that I could never let them win, that I would make it out alive. Yeah. Wow. Just having that strength is absolutely incredible. What was the the breaking point that allowed you to get out of there? Yeah. Oh man. It's a difficult, a difficult memory, but the toxicity in my household I mean, it escalated to a point where I I couldn't deny it any longer. I just noticed all of these things and it was so incredibly painful. But every once in a while, I was given little glimmers of hope like a carrot and it kept the illusion of our perfect family going. It motivated me to try harder. It also created a lot of confusion for me because I couldn't reconcile why are there so many good memories during this really dark time. And the the thing that really made me leave was this one family trip. So each year I had a court mandated visitation to see my mom's side of the family in Florida. During that time, my family would visit Disney World, also in Florida. And I was never invited nor allowed to go. But at age 19, I finally... I finally got the ticket. I was so excited that I had finally made it. I had the chance to join their annual trip. And of course, I had to get my own airfare and book my own accommodations because I didn't earn that privilege, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm so excited for the first time. I'm enough. I am a part of this family. And then I was uninvited. And my family frequently changed rules to best suit their narrative and needs. And I had violated a made up rule. The family voted and unanimously said that my presence would completely ruin their vacation. And I was devastated. And in that moment, I decided that I could no longer stay in their house anymore. I was a poison to my family and I needed to save them. I had to do that by moving out. 
My aunt and sister left on their Disney trip without saying goodbye. So I told my uncle that I was moving into an apartment downtown. He immediately called my aunt. And when he returned, he said that I owed them a lot of money. I was not the daughter they wanted. And I had caused the rest of the family severe undue hardship. He presented a bill that dated back to the month that they took me into custody. It was clear to me that I was simply a transaction and they were returning the tarnished goods. It was like they had been waiting to cash in on my return policy for a very long time. And they were waiting for that opportune moment. My uncle drove me to the bank where he forced the transaction from my parents' estate. There wasn't a gun to my head, but there might as well have been one. They received their bounty, and I pretty much never heard from them ever again. It was horrible. It was horrible. When I got to my new apartment, I didn't eat or sleep for months on end. I was withering away, haunted by what had just happened. I kept ruminating. Did I cause this? Did I make it up? Am I really as terrible as they tell me? And I slipped into my first major depressive episode. I, I could not reconcile all of the steps that had gotten me to this point, all of the abuse that I had endured. I didn't even realize it was abuse because I thought it was character building because I was such a defective daughter. I was so broken. And at this time, my aunt wanted to get in front of the narrative and I lost my entire support system and all of my friends seemingly overnight. She used character assassination and a smear campaign to ensure that I had minimal support and they had the upper hand. She went around to each of my friends' homes and said, what a bad daughter that I was. And if you hear from Melissa, please let me know so we can follow up with her. She wanted to create a network of spies. And I didn't know who was safe any longer. I was too scared to find out. I had no one to turn to at that time, but I made a promise to myself. There was no going back. I, no matter what happened, even if I was in a body bag, I was never, ever going back to that household. I didn't know what I had to do to scrape by. I just really knew that it was them versus me and I had to make it. So I did what I knew best. And that's just heads down, survive, put your foot in front of the other and just keep going as best you can. And, oh man, it was really, really hard living in survival mode after that, trying to make a life for myself. And I was definitely in for a rude awakening. I was so unprepared for the real world. It was, it, it was one of the most difficult times in my life not having a support system and not knowing what to do, but I made it. I made it. Oh my gosh, you made it. And you, you got out of there. Oh my gosh. I, I can't even believe, I can't even believe this story. I can't even believe that there are people like this in the world. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how you, this gorgeous young woman are sitting in this apartment all by yourself and you've been absolutely obliterated you've been obliterated yeah. by your family I mean I don't know how how do you even how how long did you stay in that state 
when I was completely paralyzed, ruminating in my depressive episode, I probably was there for a couple of years. I was trying to put myself through school and hiding everything that had happened to me. I really just gave a performance of a lifetime. I had been performing my entire life with my family and man, I, I did a really great job of any new person that I encountered. I wanted them to think that I was just this happy, bubbly, wonderful person. And that illusion, I think gave me the time to just get away, build my resources, build up my chosen family and to grow into my own and learn some of the hardest lessons that I've, I've ever learned. But I was probably in that depressive episode for a couple of years. Things got a little bit better when I stabilized a bit, when I found uh, good friends and started dating my now husband. And throughout that entire time, I really relied on the coping skills that I had known before perfectionism, people pleasing, workaholism. And that's all I knew. I didn't have a life outside of survival mode. I didn't have hobbies. I just would work and work and then completely collapse. And I did that for, my gosh, 15 years until I finally reached peak burnout. I tried to outrun my past. I tried to outperform my shame and carrying the weight of that family secret nearly killed me. And when I just hit full burnout, that was it. I could not, my body could not withstand anymore. I mean, we, my body, my mind came to a screeching halt and it was really difficult. My therapist suggested that I may have experienced child abuse. Of course, I became immediately defensive. I was like, nope, it's my fault. I deserved it. I was a bad kid. They were just trying to help me along the way. I regurgitated all of those stories that I was told for so many decades. And my therapist could obviously see past this. And she encouraged me to attend a meeting, an adult survivors of child abuse meeting. And I was shocked. For the first time in my life, I was seeing examples of child abuse, and they were very common in my upbringing. It was just like black and white. The truth was so simple, I could not hide from it anymore. I experienced physical, emotional, social, ooh, mental and spiritual abuse, and I couldn't make any more excuses for it. I didn't know who I was beyond my trauma responses. And that was incredibly humbling. I started reading books, devouring resources, and I thought I had kept it together all this time. I thought that I had swept it under the rug enough. I thought that I was able to outrun everything. I had a great job. I had great friends. I traveled the world. And it all came crashing down that my entire life was just one big trauma response. And it nearly broke me. And that's when I started living in my beanbag, going through my whole journey. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? You've, re you've really spent your entire life just holding secrets. It's just been an entire yeah. lifetime of holding 
everything inside secrets trauma abuse and and still believing and this is the the thing that always fascinates me is still believing that it's really your fault and that's the manipulation isn't it that's the gaslighting the manipulation it's it's like you're living in a world that's just completely unreal it's not real at all you're just told stuff you're you're told what it is and and you take it on as truth because you can't see anything else and so we're conditioned from that age there's no before and after for a complex Mm. ptsd i mean i thought most of this was normal until relatively recently and i was in for a rude awakening it is so difficult to see when your entire reality is just not real at all. And then you're like, where do I go to pick up the damn pieces? Because if that's not real, I don't know who I am. And I I slipped into my my next major depressive episode. And it was, I knew I needed change. I, I took a sabbatical from my life. And I just dedicated myself 24 seven to my healing and processing these memories and, you know, doing all of these things. I mean, I had to learn to take care of myself physically, emotionally, mentally. No one had ever showed me how to do that. I was a servant. I I had to think for myself for the first time, right? I had to face the root of my toxic shame. I had to process what happened to me. I had to feel the feelings. And that was one of the hardest things I've had to do because I turned off my feelings at such a young age to be able to go through life. I had to feel the grief. I had to feel the the weight of what happened to me. I had to feel all of that, what I missed out on, what I should have had. And that is so overwhelming. I, I can't even begin to describe other than I was comatose in a beanbag for six months and I literally could not do anything other than feel those feelings. I had to develop self-compassion for myself and self-love. I had to reprogram that inner critic from my aunt. I had to really make sure that I was the one who could take care of myself. I had to create a new identity true to me. What is life beyond an entire personality built on trauma responses, right? I had to figure that out. What do I like? What do I not like? What do I want my future to be? And there were so many things that I evaluated. What's not serving me? Do I still have contact with family that is maybe still triggering or maybe not conducive to this sensitive time in my life? I needed to separate myself from all of those unhealthy tactics and really just surround myself with my care team and focus solely on how do I want my life to look like beyond this? Build up a community to support that. It was hard. It was really hard. It's really a a grieving process, isn't it, that you go through? Oh, my gosh, the grief. The grief alone was very, very painful, realizing how much every single person in my life had failed me was devastating. It was devastating. And 
it's like a little black rain cloud following you around 24 seven and you can't shake it. I mean, the depression that it brought on was unimaginable. And thank heavens that I had an incredible care team that I had assembled that was able to walk me through this process. They were able to support me on my journey, going through this unburdening, this processing of my memories with ketamine and EMDR and just really being able to build myself up and, and move forward. It was, it was really difficult, but it is the proudest thing I have ever accomplished. My gosh, it was one of the hardest, messiest, most awful journeys, but I will say it has been so beautiful for my immediate family, my husband, our community, being able to open up in a way to say, this is what happened to me for the very first time. And to show the messy process of the healing journey, it gave a lot of other folks in our sphere the permission to say, hey, something similar happened to me too. And you talked about ketamine and therapy. Maybe I'll try ketamine and therapy. Or you went to a, a DBT program. Maybe I should try that as well. And being able to share all of those resources and just show up as myself, the most messy, unhinged and thriving healing journey of all time has been one of the greatest gifts that has come out of this. Meeting other folks just like you, Don, who understand and want to be able to share these stories so we can heal together. Healing happens in community. You know, shame just festers in isolation, but being able to talk about it and not be silenced after three decades has really helped my healing journey. Yeah, absolutely. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know that you went through, like you mentioned there, lots of different therapies, but at what moment do you remember there being like a glimmer of hope that you were going to be taking a step out of the darkness? Do you remember a particular moment? Oh, there are, there are a number of, of little moments that I have had along the way. The first one was when I tried ketamine, my therapist had recommended exploring ketamine. And I am someone who does not like to lose control. I don't really participate in recreational drugs. And 
I was just at such a point of, of depression that I was like, I will try it. I, I don't care. I will try anything to help with the emotional pain, the physical pain. And I remember after a couple of my first sessions, I was able to process my memories in a very safe way because ketamine is a dissociative. You don't get re-triggered when you're thinking of those memories. It's very different from talk therapy, which can make it even more challenging. But with ketamine, I was able to see a life beyond my, my past, my programming. I was able to see me as my own entity without all of the, the bullshit that my family put on me. I was the scapegoat. And I did not realize that I needed to see that to believe it. I had always thought to myself, okay, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to survive. But what I really want more than anything is to thrive. And in a ketamine session, I was able to see that. And it was beautiful. It gave me hope for the first time in my life that I was strong enough. I had the, the tools. I had the ability to move forward on my own terms. And being able to couple that with other modalities was exceptionally helpful. As I kept doing the work, as I kept doing the ketamine therapy, it just gave me little glimpses of hope and I would follow those along the way. And then, you know, a new, a new glimmer would, would pop up when I would meet other people. My inner child intensive was the first time that I had shared my story with strangers, 10 other strangers, and to be witnessed like that and held and supported. And as we are all learning through generational trauma and its impact on us, finding that community was the first time where I knew that there were other people out there like me. And I just kept going and going, trying to connect with as many people as possible. And I think it was in that moment when I really realized, wow, this is a really awful, dark story, but some parts of it resonate with other people. And if we can share those together and we can share our healing journeys, maybe we can make a big impact. Maybe we can change the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, oh my gosh, it's such a hard journey, isn't it? And it's also so incredible. Like you say, you're in this terribly dark place. You're trying to wade through it, but then you start meeting people who have also been through these things yeah. and and just finding that hope. What other therapies were really important to your healing, do you think? Oh gosh, there were a number of them. You name it, I've done it. There are two that I really loved outside of ketamine and the inner child intensives. One was a PHP program, which is uh, DBT skills. And that program was a couple months long and I learned all kinds of skills, emotion regulation, distress tolerance, mindfulness. This is the manual to life. And I cannot recommend it enough for those survivors who have gone through developmental trauma, who have had to parent their parents and not take care of themselves. 
this was the first time in my life where I knew how to take care of myself, how to regulate my emotions. Because I'm constantly navigating my traumas, whether that be flashbacks, panic attacks, or night terrors, I have to be able to take care of myself. And I did not have those skills. And I highly, highly recommend that. It was one of the greatest programs that I ever stumbled upon. And if I could redo my healing journey, I would have I would have done DBT first to give me the skills before I had unpacked all of that trauma. The last one was EMDR, and that was incredibly helpful for reprocessing memories from my parents and from the shame and humiliation from my aunt and uncle. All of these different modalities, different therapies really helped me to understand that what had happened to me was not my fault. And little by little, it helped me release the shame. It helped me give it back to the people that should have had it in the first place. I was just a kid and having to bear the weight of that for, you know, three decades has been excruciating, but having all of these modalities, I'm able to not have to be weighed down 24 seven by them. I can now start to live life on my own terms. I can have hobbies like yoga and I, I can experience the world without feeling so terrified all the time that something's going to happen. And on the other side of this healing journey, I know it's going to be lifelong, but I mean, I'm already seeing such amazing possibilities for myself and for those folks that I have helped along the way. And again, if you're going through hell on your healing journey, keep going because there is so much that awaits you on the other side. It's such beautiful advice. And I liked that you said I was just a child because we don't have any control over what happens to us. And we we just kind of forget that, I think, somewhere along the way that we're supposed to be cared for and, and we are just children. So it, it is never our shame. And it's so important that we remember that. And I see you here but I see you on Instagram. You look like you've got it all together. You just look like you've got something to say and there's a power there about you. Is that the reality for you now? Is that the reality for your life or what is your life actually like behind the scenes? I I am moving forward in this healing journey and however I can share that with other people and inspire them to do the same thing, I absolutely want to do that. Everything I talk about, I practice on my own. I am sharing the things that have worked for me. What I've noticed is I'm able to get more information from survivors. I'm able to get more healing modalities and recommendations from other survivors because that's their life, right? Sometimes our professionals, that's their job. But when I'm fighting for my life, I am going to, you know, curate as many of these healthy coping mechanisms and how to care for ourselves. And I want people to know that healing is possible. I want people to know that you can overcome anything. It may take a while, but you can do it. 
And my mission is to be able to share parts of my story. So if there's someone else out in the world who was early me and resonates with that, I want to give them that hope that, yes, you can do it. Sadly, I'm the first person in my family to raise their hands and say something's got to give. In my friend group, I had not really seen that either. And I'm, I'm the first one. But man, if I had someone similar to me, if I heard their story when I was 17, maybe things would be completely different. And I got to trust the timing of my life. I got to give myself some grace. I wasn't ready to, to go on my own journey yet. But I will be damned if another person is out there suffering in silence. I really just want to share as many resources as possible so we can have a conversation about this, not even just for survivors, but people who are friends of survivors, family members of survivors. How can we create a better world where we can all live lives on our own terms, right? And that's really where the spirit of, of Let Me Glow Your Mind comes from. Yeah, I love that title. Did you believe when you started your healing journey that, that what you'd been through was big enough to ask for help? Because I think that's an interesting thing that I noticed with a lot of people's stories that they feel that what they went through was just what they went through. And so they don't reach out because they, they sort of minimize it, right? Do you have yeah. any advice for people around that? Oh gosh, I minimized it too. I mean, the toxic shame just kept me, kept eating me alive. And I thought it was all my fault. I thought that all of these things had happened and I was terrified, absolutely terrified of getting help. Also in my family, there was a lot of programming around distrust, any experts, any medical, like asking for help is a sign of weakness, right? If you feel a calling, please get curious with that. If something happened in your past and you want to explore that, trust yourself. Absolutely. And I will be cheering you on every step of the way. I mean, it is amazing. Every time I talk to someone that they're like, I don't know if this is enough. Do I have some type of trauma here? Am I, I hate to say this, am I good enough for, for therapy? Everyone should have a therapist. Everyone should have an outlet to be able to share these feelings and these experiences. And if you are curious, follow that, trust your intuition. There are so many resources out there now. There's group therapy, individual therapy, trauma recovery, coaching programs, intensives, even books. Even online, you can find a plethora of trauma recovery resources and find the right person for you, right? That can be really difficult in finding the best care team to suit your needs. So just give yourself some grace as you're going throughout that process. But knowing and wanting to get help is half the battle. So congratulations, you've already passed that hurdle. And, you know, as you're moving forward, you got this. You can heal from anything, I promise. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people around finding the right therapist? 
Yes, this can be really difficult. It can be a challenging step in the recovery process, especially if you're in crisis. So what I typically tell people, for better, for worse, you truly are the captain of your ship, right? No one else can do it for you. You are the expert of you. So give yourself some grace and patience while you do your research on what type of support that you may need, whether that be a therapist, group program, or perhaps a trauma recovery coach as well. Try to find someone that makes you feel safe and that you feel comfortable opening up to. Sometimes, again, it can take a really long time to find the right fit. So trust your gut and, and just be patient. Also, you are your best advocate. If you are not getting the right support, you are not obligated to stay. This is something that I had to learn for myself. You can find alternatives as needed. If you're not getting the right care, you can absolutely find a different practitioner. They should be able to collaborate with you instead of them telling you what to do. It really should be a, a collaborative approach. And then once you found your care team and built that relationship, keep them close, keep them close, right? They're here to hold space for you and help you. And again, you're the captain of this ship. So trust your gut and they are here to support you. Yeah. And trusting your gut is such an important thing in working with a therapist because I do see people who put things online and say, this is what happened in my therapy session. And you know, it's really not okay. So sometimes the person that you're working with is just not the right person. If you feel sick in your stomach, you know that you need yeah. to, to make a change. It's as simple as that. And you have the absolute right to do that. If you could redo your healing journey, would you change anything about it? Gosh, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would have done it sooner. But again, I'm learning to trust the timing of my life and give myself some grace. I I would not change much about it. I would probably change the order of, of how I navigated it. I probably, I'm so good at masking. I'm so good at masking, Donna. Sometimes I mask from myself. I did not have the emotional skills. I did not have distress tolerance. If I could go back and redo it, I would have done DBT first. I've, I've been with my therapist for a very long time. We are now bonded together for life, but I probably would have done ketamine DBT and then gone into the more intense modalities of EMDR and some of the inner child intensives. So definitely, you know, as people are, are navigating their healing journey, do what's right for you. You really are the captain of your ship. You may have a completely different need of modalities and whatnot than I did. But for me specifically, because I did not have, I like to say that I was in remedial life uh, skills class, that I had to learn all of that in order to healthily unpack everything else. And maybe other people don't need that, but I found that to be exceptionally helpful. Yeah. And do you have any tools or recommendations for somebody who wants to take that first step? Yeah. First of all, give yourself a pat on the back for showing up. Recognizing that you want to make some changes is truly half the battle. Second, be gentle with yourself. Your journey is completely, completely unique. It takes time. You've survived decades of really difficult traumas, so it's not going to happen overnight. 
You can dip your toe in the water at your speed, maybe read a book, join a group. There are so many resources out there, but I want to remind everyone that healing happens in community. That's really where we are able to grow and blossom past our past traumas, right? This podcast is a great community, being able to learn from each other, right? Maybe there's a trusted friend or family member that you can confide in, but healing is really where you're able to get the most benefits. So as you're going through your your whole journey, just think about what your needs are and maybe take some of those modalities and start to just get curious with them, explore them. And as you're feeling more comfortable with one, maybe you add on another. And if that's working for you, maybe you add on another or you just, you know, kind of play around with the puzzle pieces to find what works for you. Mm, Such beautiful advice. And what do you see in your future now? Oh my gosh, my future. I am continuing on my healing journey. I am learning to live life on my own terms. And it has been a whirlwind of getting out into the world and seeing what I really love to do and what I want to be able to do. And I love helping trauma survivors get started on their healing journey as an advocate, as a mentor, it is really an integral part of my healing journey to be able to share my story loudly and to be able to help others on their healing journey as well. And I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I just know that as we keep going, I want to get louder and louder and try and make some change in the world. If even one person listening to this, got something out of it and found strength for their healing journey, to me, it's worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I look at you right now and everything that you've been through, nobody would believe it by looking at you. It's absolutely immense. And yet there's this incredible strength that has allowed you to go from basically destroyed to to standing in your power and now wishing to empower others. I'd love you to share your Instagram account here so that people can come and just connect with you and your messages of healing. And do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, please come join me at Let Me Glow Your Mind, L-E-T-M-E-G-L-O-W-Y-A-M-I-N-D. And I share lots of healing tips. I share more about my story, the things that I am navigating. It's a really beautiful community that we've started to create of survivors. And it's just a really wonderful, wonderful group of folks. So I I hope you'll join me if you're interested in trauma recovery or just even hearing more tips. Come on by. Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. You are truly incredible. Thank you for sharing your story today. I'm so conscious that this was the first time you're sharing and I truly hope that you will keep sharing over and over and over because we need to know this story. We need to understand what happened to you and what generational trauma is doing to us and how we can change that. Thank you for being a guiding light for so many others who are struggling and looking for assistance to take the next step. Gosh, thank you. I 
Oh, I'm speechless. I, wow, this community, Don, I am so honored to be here. Again, I was sitting in this office on the floor for months on end, not knowing what was happening. And to be able to pay that forward is just such an honor. And I have had a wonderful time connecting with you and I just respect all of the work you're doing and I, I can't wait to hear even more stories. So thank you for being my inaugural story, but it's it's been a real pleasure and I just can't wait to keep this momentum going. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.